Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Invisalign Teen, Who, How, When, and Why with Dr. Donna Galante. You'll learn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificates at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please know you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance for unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Donna Galante. Dr. Galante reached the level of Invisalign lead provider in 2010, has been treating Invisalign patients since 1999 at her private practice in Sacramento, California with her husband. Dr. Galante received both her dental and orthodontic degrees from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also, received, where she also served as clinical instructor in the orthodontic department. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and has been a featured speaker at the 2011 Invisalign Forum for Orthodontists. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Galante. Dr. Galante, you now have the floor. Uh, thank you, David. I'm um, really happy and actually very excited to be here today and to share with um, all the listeners everything that I've learned about Invisalign Teen. And I am very, very um, excited to share with you. Not only um, I'm going to be showing you some actual uh, cases, but I'm also going to talk to you about how we brought more teens into our practice, how we got those teens in our office, got the parents to agree to let their teenagers have teen. So there's a lot I'm going to share with you this morning, so let's get started. So just so you know that everything that I'm talking about today are, are my ideas alone, and um, uh, online technology may or may not endorse such, such uh, statements or my views or opinions. And David already introduced me, so you, here's my bio. I uh, am a top 1% provider currently, and I also became a ABO diplomat in 1992. So let's get started. What you're going to learn today in this webinar, first of all, why we chose Invisalign as our appliance of choice and how our practice continues to grow despite uh, continuing challenges in the economy, especially in Northern California. I'm going to share with you how to get new team patients into your office and how to get the parents to say yes, which often is the hurdle. And who are your best candidates for Invisalign Teen? If you're just thinking about starting to do some teen, I'm going to share with you what we did when we first dived into the teen market and share with you some uh, tips and strategies so that you can feel very um, calm and assured and, and get some success right away with your teen cases. And then last but not least, share with you some statistics why I think the opportunity for orthodontists right now who embrace teen is better than ever. So why did we choose Invisalign and why did we start focusing on Invisalign as our basically our, our appliance of choice in our practice? And there were four main reasons. And most of you that are listening to this can relate to the, I think, to pretty much all of these. Um, some might be a little bit more important for you than others, but we had an, an economic issue that occurred in 2008 in our area. Um, and you may or may not have experienced um, a rapid decline in your practice like we did, and I'm going to discuss what exactly happened. 
uh, you may or may not have, inc have increased competition in your area, and that certainly did affect us. Practice profitability, I think, is an issue for everybody. We all want to increase um, our we want to increase how much money we're bringing in, but we also want to increase how much money we're taking home. And then last but not least, I think we're all interested in improving the quality of our patient experience. So I'm going to shift back to the year 2000 when we opened our office in a town called Rockland, California. And Rockland is in a county called Placer, and at the time it was one of the fastest growing counties in California. And we started this practice basically from scratch. We um, rented a, a space, 1,500 square feet, in a, in a strip center. And honestly, within about five years, we had totally outgrown the space. So in 2005, we were on a search for a space that we could move into. And in this upper left-hand corner here in, in the photos, you can see that is our new building. We, we actually moved into that building in 2007, around October, November 2007. And it was a great space, a lot, lot of room for us. We moved in in late 2007, and by March, April 2008, uh, the economy pretty much took a, a nosedive, a very rapid nosedive. And if you look at the buildings that I have photos of, those are our neighbors. And the building right underneath us, uh, 6556, 6558, those are, um, there's four of those buildings, and they are three stories each, and they have never been occupied since 2007. The building on the right-hand side where there's a sign available, that building um, is, is vacant. And then right at the very bottom is a little strip center behind our office that at one time had a lot of businesses and it's pretty much there's just two or three there right now. So even today, <laughs> 2013, in, um, in our area, the economy still is challenged and it has been um, an ongoing issue for us. And I will say that Invisalign has has really kept us at the forefront in the area because our, our, our practice continues to grow. And the other issue that came up to add a little bit of spice to our problems was competition. When we moved into Rockland in 2006, 2007, we were about one of seven practices. And within a very short period of time, the word got out, the area was a growth area. And those little, um, little Google spots are orthodontists, and these could be orthodontists that are in a private practice, they could be in a group practice. A lot of um, corporate companies came into the area and they set up uh, general dental offices and bring an orthodontist in. And there's 28 of those little um, spots within six miles of our office, and actually we just had another office open about a mile up the road just uh, in April, so there's now 29. And for those of you who are thinking, okay, well, it depends what the population is, a 10-mile radius of the area is 150,000 people. So if you're sitting there listening to this and you think you have competition issues, um, you can certainly think, again, that maybe it's not so bad. And last but not least, we decided, well, we really need to find a way to be different because everybody during this time frame was talking about braces. And because of the, the tailspin in the economy, not only were the orthodontists talking about braces and, and offering discounts and, and certain incentives, the, the general dentists in the area were doing the same thing as well because they needed to bring patients into their offices and they were offering six-month smiles, fast braces, and a lot of these different kinds of programs. And what we discovered when we started to do our research in trying to figure out, well, how can we be different? What can we offer the patients that no one else is offering so we can set ourselves apart? And 
I started to look at a lot of different brands, some of which we had been using. Um, we were using some lingual braces at the time. We had looked at SureSmile as well. We were doing Invisalign. We've been doing it since 1999, but we only were offering it to adults who had limited crowding and maybe some spacing issues, no advanced uh, dental problems. So when I started to really, really study this after I got over my initial denial about what was going on, um, it just made sense that Invisalign was going to be the brand and the appliance that we were going to focus on and really start marketing our practice as an Invisalign orthodontic practice and everything that we did to brand ourselves as the place to come for Invisalign. And one of the things that I found that was uh, really exciting and extremely helpful at the time was their multi-million dollar advertising budget. When you have a practice that is has declined, and our practice declined about 30% within a 12-month period, that's fairly significant. If you don't have a whole lot of money left over for marketing, so their um, multi-million dollar advertising budget was something that really um, said to me, "Gosh, you know, this is the company to go with. We can we can harness a lot of what they're doing in our marketing and move forward and and bring this practice back up." So that's what we did, and. Of course, we already knew that adults definitely didn't want braces. And there were a segment of teenagers who would come in at, and back in 2005, you know, would request teen Invisalign and, and we wouldn't offer it to them because we honestly didn't think they'd wear it. We did know that there was less emergencies. We also knew there were fewer hygiene problems. And so there were some other reasons and a lot of these reasons are, are related more to, um, you know, just the whole patient experience. and. We found that when we had the decline in the practice, we decided that one of the things we wanted to find out from our patient base was, well, you know, what is it that you look for when choosing an orthodontist? And at the time, I had a patient who was an Invisalign patient of mine, and he was the uh, vice president of sales and marketing for a big telecommunications company here in the Sacramento area. And he actually spearheaded this whole survey for us and helped me launched this and we looked at basically there was a two-part survey you know we wanted to find out well patients you know what is it that you're looking for when you're choosing an orthodontist and there are about 10 different parameters and then after they finished answering those questions the next part of the survey was well the things that are important to you um, how are we doing how is Cater Galante Orthodontics doing and when the results were tabulated, we found that these four things below were the most important, statistically significant parameters for patients, at least in 2008, in Rockland, California. Um, they wanted results that were better than they actually expected. So for them, it was very important to have great results. They wanted to have the doctors available for consultations, to discuss treatment. And they wanted to have the ability to see the doctor as, you know, at each appointment if, if necessary. They wanted to be seen on time. And number four, emergencies were handled immediately and, and quickly. And when we were rated um, on all those top parameters, we did not do very well on the scene on time, hence I have it in red. And that was because we ran behind schedule on a regular basis because we had grown so rapidly and everyone knows in the afternoon after school is when everyone wants to be seen. And we'd have patients come in at 4 o'clock for a 20-minute activation appointment, and they'd have four brackets off. And rather than trying to reschedule them on a Friday morning at 10 a.m. during math class, we would just try to repair those brackets and um, make the parent and the child happy. But, of course, the person sitting in the waiting room now who, who were scheduled maybe at 4.40, 
their appointment sometimes didn't happen until 5 o'clock. So this was a big issue for us and another reason why we really committed ourselves to looking at Invisalign and incorporating more and more Invisalign into our practice. So what are your goals? I mean, you're here today listening to this seminar, and I, I want you to stop and think about, you know, where are you today and where do you want to be? I know for us, when we first jumped into Invisalign, we would go in and out of preferred and, and premier, and, and, and we quickly wanted to get to elite. And when we decided we were going to go to elite, we had to do team because we did not have enough adult patients that we could uh, provide Invisalign to. So that is what really prompted us to jump into the team market. And we made up a, a plan. Um, obviously, we wanted to get more patients in that wanted in teen. We had to train our staff properly so that they can manage these teen cases. And, of course, myself and, and my husband, we had to get more experience in, in using, uh, using teen, managing teen, uh, working with the ClinCheck so that we could get really great results because that's what our patients wanted. They wanted really good results. So this is kind of a summary um, of some of the marketing we did. If I'm going to go through this, it's a, these are kind of the, the tips or the, the, the strategies that I think um, gave us the most bang for our buck. But to be honest with you, we, we did a, a lot more than this. And if you're really interested in finding out you know, a little bit more about what we did, I did an ATE last year in January, and it's archived. And I suggest you go back and listen to that. And it, it's all about the marketing that we did. And you'll, I go into greater detail on all of these things. But as I, one of the things we first started with was email marketing. And the reason we did that, it was basically free. We didn't have to spend a lot of money. When you have a 30% drop in your practice, there's not a whole lot of cash sitting around for marketing. So we started to um, email our patients. We, we were using Sesame to remind our patients of their appointments and send out some periodic newsletters, but we never had really utilized it as a tool to communicate with our patients on a regular basis. So we started to send them weekly emails. And when we first started to really focus on Invisalign, the emails that went out were letting them know, yes, we're offering Invisalign, we're offering it not only to adults but to teens. We might have added a promotion to the email. Sometimes it was just purely educational. So it wasn't like they were getting bombarded with just a promotion every week. There was a lot of education. There was also information about maybe an event we were hosting in our office. I know, for example, when we got our Atero a couple of years ago, we shot an email out um, that the day after we had the training and talked about the benefits of the Atero, and literally the next day, we had a teen patient and his mom in our office, um, checkbook open, ready to start treatment. And mom had gotten the email forwarded to her from a patient of ours. And these moms are very smart. They know what's out there. And she came in and said, I've been waiting for somebody in the area to have one of these scanners. My son had some impressions taken. It was a bad experience. And I really wanted him to have Invisalign. And here we are, we're ready to get started. So. The email was very powerful for us, and it very cost-effective, and we continue to do it today. The second thing we did was we developed a custom practice newsletter. Again, I have somebody in my office put these together. You can do these on Publisher, and they're not that hard to do. It takes a little bit of effort to gather the information, but we wanted to continue to communicate with our patients on a regular basis. We do these every quarter. I typically will write the lead article. For example, in this one we did last year, why do I have to wear retainers forever? 
in that article, we talked about Vivera, and there was a bit of a Vivera promotion. You know, if they had their Vivera done by a certain time frame, they received you know $100 off. And then the back page is you know some of our upcoming events. Inside is pictures of patients. It it shows people who had their um, braces removed, their Invisalign completed, contest winners. And not only do we send these to all our patients, we send it to all our um, professional partners. We also distribute them around um, to any of the businesses where moms hang out. So where do moms hang out? Daycare centers, uh, day spas, places where they get pedicures and manicures. We bring them to some of the local pediatrician and medical offices, and they're more than happy to have those in their uh, reception areas for their patients to read while they're waiting for their appointments. Internet marketing. I, you know, in 2000, didn't exist. In fact, our first website was 2004. So today is a very powerful, powerful strategy in our practice. It's about a third uh, of our patient base right now that comes in from the Internet. And as soon as we had some cash flow, again, we started to reinvest in our websites, redoing our websites, updating our websites, putting a blog in. I, I got a new website manager who was able to um, set up some SEO for us so that we would be optimized and could be found it, for people who were searching for Invisalign. We developed a teen site. I would say it was it it is without a doubt one of the key strategies. You have to have an internet presence and it has to be multiple uh, pieces to your internet presence. And um, I would suggest if you don't have a blog, you should get one set up. If for some reason you're not into writing or you can't find someone to write these blogs for you, doctorbase.com. Uh, they're a company that will uh, post, set up a blog for you, charge you a monthly fee to do that, and you'll have another presence out there on the web. One of the things that has become extremely important for us is Facebook. And I am of the age group that Facebook, to me, I personally don't always get it. I tend to be one of these people like, well, I don't understand why everyone wants to know, you know what somebody's having for lunch. However, it is a big – it is definitely – um, a big um, a big social thing for people who are in a certain age group, what happens to be the moms that bring the kids into our offices. And if you look at some of the statistics I have for you here, 91% of moms are using social media on a regular basis. That's huge. 44% said they made a purchase after a recommendation from a friend on their social network. And then Edison Research, and these guys are the people who do all the polls. They do all the exit polls for the presidential elections. And in their poll, they found that 47% of people who use Facebook say it has the greatest impact on their purchase behavior. Now, I would say we set up a, a Facebook account or a Facebook fan page uh, probably about two years ago. And for about a year, it didn't seem like anything um, came of it. But in the last six to nine months, we have definitely had patients come in who have said, I, I, I posted a question that I was looking for an orthodontist to my fans, to my Facebook friends, and your name came up. In fact, one family, we've now treated all three of their teenage children. So it is definitely a, a piece of the pie. You need to be um, looking at Facebook and getting it set up. If you have... Um, Women in your office that are between the ages of like 20 and about 45, they can do this for you. They, they're on Facebook all the time. They know how to set up a fan page. There's companies out there that will set it up for you and manage it as well. Display ads. We decided to target the teen market in a big way. And we ran this ad and a couple other different ones like this 
that were put in publications where I knew I would get noticed. So, for example, uh, one thing you can do, you, you, there's neighborhoods that are gated communities. They often have like a, a monthly newsletter that they send out to their the people in the, in the neighborhood. A lot of times you can put ads in there and they'll charge you a, a nominal fee to do that. We did that um, in a couple different gated communities where we knew there was a nice targeted uh, group of teenagers. Also, uh, schools. A lot of the schools have, especially high schools, have a newsletter that goes out every month or every quarter, and they're usually willing and able to put an ad in there for you. We, we ran these ads, and they were extremely helpful, especially in getting some of these initial teams in, especially when we're trying to bump up to that elite level. Writing a book. Okay, now this one is going to take a little bit more time than um, shooting out an email. <laughs> I, uh, I enjoy reading and writing. It's a passion of mine. And when we set up the blog on the website, I started to write the blog posts. And what I did was I took every single one of my blog posts, I maybe expanded them a little bit more, and put them into a book. So that's basically how I did it. Honestly, it took about a year to put it all together because I was writing a blog post about one a month. But I put this book together, and the main reason we did this was, again, so when a, a new patient came in, we could provide them some more educational materials. Um, we had a practice brochure, but brochures get often tossed, not read and tossed in the, in the trash. A book is something that whenever we hand it to a patient, they look at it and they're like, wow, this is great, thank you. And even if maybe they don't actually read it, it's not going to get thrown away, thrown away. And hopefully it will get read or at least passed on to another potential patient. So writing a book, there's loads of ways to do it. I personally probably did it the hard way. There's other, you can talk books. There's, there's a lot of different vendors out there that can help you um, get a book published. And last but not least, and this is one of the main reasons we wanted to get to the top um, of the uh, doc locator, um, the Invisalign does a great job at sending patients to our office through their doc locator. And we get patients that come in um, every day who have found us on the doc locator that Invisalign provides. So another reason to get your name on the board so that you can also get the advantage of having some of these patients show up in your office and and request Invisalign. So that's, like I said, kind of a quick overview of the marketing we did. If you want to learn more, find my ATE webinar from last year, and it will give you a lot more detail and a lot more specific strategies. And we finally found that after a period of about um, four to six months of some real concerted effort in, in branding and, and marketing and really getting the word out, the, the phone started to ring again. And I always share with people how significant the, the collapse was. We were on average seeing probably about 70 patients a month. And literally within about a period of about six months, it dropped down to about 20. So it was pretty significant decline in the number of new patients. And when the phone started to ring again, and patients were calling, there was a lot of, a lot of it was because they were interested in Invisalign. And despite the economy, which still is not great, and back then it was still bad too, patients were wanting to get treated with Invisalign. And I always say when people find something they really want, they'll find a way to get it. They'll find the money, they'll find the income, they'll find a way to make the payments. And we were finding that Definitely, parents are bringing their kids in for Invisalign, 
kids were forcing their parents to bring them in for Invisalign, and we were also getting a lot of more adults requesting Invisalign. So we had to kind of change our new patient process, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but I am going to share with you uh, one key thing that has been very important for us, because a lot of times the teens will drag their parents in to the office saying, I want Invisalign, and then mom's sitting there saying, no, 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 you can't even keep track of your eyeglasses or your cell phone or your homework. And we found that um, this book, The Seven Triggers to Yes by Russell, Russell Granger, I highly recommend getting your hands on it, having your TC read it. He talks about these seven triggers, and the one that really fits well when you have a scenario like that is called the contrast trigger. And basically, we would say to mom, because mom would sit there, Mary's saying, I want Invisalign, I want Invisalign. And mom's like, no, there's no way. We've got to put the glued braces on. And I would say to the mom or my treatment coordinator, would say to the mom, you know, Mrs. Smith, um, we, I know how you feel. We used to feel the same way because we, you know, we felt that teenagers weren't going to wear the alarms. This is what we found. And by the way, you, there's some benefits for you. And we look mom straight in the eye and kind of let her know, what are the benefits? Well, less visits to the orthodontist. You're going to be spending less time here. Um, no emergency visits where you have to take the child out of school or, or maybe you have to take time off from work. And these moms are busy. A lot of them are juggling, you know, multiple children with multiple activities. A lot of them are working full time. And when the economy went south, we found that they were less and less and less likely to take off time from work. In fact, they were more willing to take the kid out of school than they were to take time out of work. So we talked to mom about these things for her. I mean, about her time saving. Um, you're not going to have to make special dinners. Your child's not going to be whining about how sore their teeth are. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, the, the, the brushing and flossing. They can take them out. They can get in there and brush and floss like they normally do. School pictures, no problem. They can take them out and have a nice photo. And if you're really worried, the, the indicator tabs. You know, we'll, we'll show them the blue tabs. And the best news of all, Mrs. Smith, is they're the same price as braces because mom's thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to cost me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars more than braces. And we let them know it's the same price as braces. By the time I get to that one, I think, you know, they're sold. They're like, okay, Mary, you know, you're right. Let's do Invisalign. So that has been a very key tool for us in getting the parents to um, commit to it. Because I would say the majority of the time the, the teenagers come in, they're really excited about Invisalign, and a lot of times it's, a, it's the mom or the dad or both of them that are feeling like, wow, they're not going to wear them and we're going to end up you know, with no results and we're going to end up you know, having to pay more for braces. And we really um, find that this just does, does the trick for them. So that's my marketing and, and some um, you know, practice promotion part of this seminar. I'm going to jump now into actual teen cases and go into more detail on the cases that we started out with, and um, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I, I did that I wouldn't do today, some of the mistakes I made, and share with you ways that I think you could be more efficient in the future, things that we're doing differently today. So I'm going to start off with uh, what I call my, my phase one, my phase two patients, and this is kind of where we decided to dive in first. We, had, we do a fair amount of phase one in our office, a lot of uh, expansion, mostly, maybe some partial braces. And there's a lot of these phase two patients that end up in fixed appliances, right? Well, 
we felt like, gosh, you know, a lot of these patients, they're in that second phase, the cases are pretty much, you know, they're, they're not that difficult. The patients generally are not that excited about going back into braces because, after all, they had braces already. That's, that's what they think. Even though they might have had six brackets on their teeth, they're thinking, gosh, I had a full set. So these patients were very, very accepting of Invisalign. They were, their parents were accepting of Invisalign. And these were some of the first ones that we decided to uh, tackle and kind of test because we honestly were worried about compliance. I mean, I've been in practice 28 years. I know that teenagers don't often brush their teeth. They often eat Skittles and Starbursts. And I also know that a lot of times they don't wear their rubber bands. <laughs> so I knew there's definite compliance issues. And we had um, a big discussion about this with the staff. And I think we all kind of went into this initially a little apprehensive. but. We have just been amazed and pretty much blown away by the level of compliance from the teenagers. And I'm going to get started here with um, this young lady who came in, um, open by um, narrow arches, crowding. We did some expansion. I'm not going to go into the details of the phase one. She was in a, some ho a holly night guard for her tongue thrust for uh, a couple of years. And then here she is now uh, getting ready for phase two. Still uh, open bite. The cuspid didn't drop down all the way. There seems to be a little bit of a of an issue of spacing, a little bit of some mild rotations on the lower. So here she is. I'm going to pull up the ClinCheck, and we can see how I set this case up. And there's a bunch of things here that um, I definitely do differently now. And I'm going to share with you probably the, the biggest mistake I made on this case has to do with that cuspid. So first of all, let's just look at uh, the number of aligners. It's 36. I'm, I'm not that concerned necessarily with the number of aligners, but if you notice, like the very, like half of the lower are just passive. I, I would never do that today. In fact, um, today what I actually ask the technician to do is I prefer to start and end at the same time. So I prefer to have active aligners on the top and the bottom. Uh, throughout treatment, and I definitely would not start with passive aligners today at all. But anyway, that's what we did. The other thing um, you can see is that there's no attachments uh, placed, and I definitely recommend putting all the attachments on generally at the first stage, especially with the teen patients. With adults, it's a little different, and I have some different protocols for my adult patients, but with my teens, I put them on all at the same time. Because here on this little girl, you know, I tell mom, gosh, mom, it's going to be so easy for you because we're going to schedule Michaela every um, 10 weeks for her appointments. So she comes in and, and she gets her first two sets of aligners. And then here we are at aligner three. We've got to bring her back in four weeks to place some attachments. And then she gets some more attachments later on again. And mom, you know, this particular mom had a bunch of kids. She was working full time as a nurse. So it, the, our messaging was off. We told her how easy it was going to be, and yet we had all these extra appointments. But one of the things I want to show you about what happened here that's really, really important, and that has to do with this cuspid, okay? When you look at it, you think to yourself, wow, it looks like there's plenty of space, right? You think, gosh, there's just tons of room. That cuspid should just come down there just beautifully and extrude, you know, right into that, into that space. And the reality is that it, it, it didn't. And we ended up having to do a refinement on her. And I'll show you, let's see if you look, okay. So basically, let's look from this side view here. 
I did a little bit, tiny little bit of rotation, a little bit of distalization on that uh, left side, and then the two started to drop down. But I failed to create enough space, and I'm going to show you in her, let me get her refinement photos for you, and you'll see that the custard didn't drop down all the way. Okay? And one of the things that I've since learned is that even though it appears that you have plenty of room to bring a cuspid or a lateral or whatever tooth you're trying to extrude, it's really important to make sure that you verify with your uh, technician that there are no collisions. So I will tell that if I'm extruding a tooth, I will actually um, have the technician basically set the uh, case up so there's no collisions as I'm moving that tooth into position. So let me um, move, let me show you. So you can see here she has 26 aligners. I probably didn't need 26 aligners in this case, but we have 26 aligners. And quite honestly, I probably would have asked for half of that amount today, but we did 26 aligners and the case ended up uh, working out just fine. And I apologize, I'm not sure why my screen here, let me see, there we go. Um, yeah, 26 aligners. Um, basically, the last three sets were overcorrection aligners, which we didn't really use on her. She ended up just at 23. So let's look at that one more time from above. And here you can see, did a little bit more rotation on the molar, not a whole lot. Um, like I said, probably a little overkill. On my refinement uh, patients, I usually move them on a seven-day cycle. So she was changing these out every seven days versus every two weeks. And that is fairly typical for most of our patients in refinement. Because I find in my refinement stages, there's not any need to do a two-week cycle. You're usually having some very targeted movements that are very specific, so they can flip out of them a lot more quickly. So she had a total of 59 aligners, 13 office visits. Treatment time, honestly, today probably would be more of a 15-month treatment time. I think we probably, I would have possibly nailed it on the first go-round. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing refinement. We, we do probably about 90% of our cases have a refinement. Uh, built into them, and a lot of times with your teen cases, which I'll discuss later, you almost have to build a refinement into it, especially if you're waiting for uh, some second molars to erupt fully, if you're waiting for some adult teeth to come in fully, you're still working in a mixed dentition case. But it, it ended up finishing up very nicely, and, and she's in Vivera now um, for her retention. So in summary, here are my tips. Place attachment to the liner one with all teen cases. Now, maybe if you are going to do some anterior extrusion, like if you have laterals that are blocked out, you know, in those cases you might wait until those are in a better position to place those extrusion attachments. But in general, I recommend trying to get all those attachments on the first day and so that you can get that patient back. We typically will put them on the first um, day and then the patient gets four sets of aligners, so they get eight weeks worth of aligners and they come back in eight weeks for a follow-up visit. We do place a phone call to them after the first week to make sure everything's okay and tracking really well. And if there are any issues, obviously we bring them back in. Tip number two is start and end at the same time. That's a routine thing I tell my technician on every single ClinCheck. Tip number three, 
make sure you've created enough space. Make sure to, the technician, you tell your technician to move the teeth into position without collisions. And this is especially important in extrusion situations. I always ask for more extrusion than I want, anywhere uh, from one to two millimeters. I know two millimeters seems extreme, but on some of those laterals um, that you're trying to uh, extrude, especially on the upper, it, you won't regret it. It usually ends up working out just fine. And I'll often order the overcorrection aligners to close up some spacing at the end, but a lot of times we end up not needing them. It'll, it'll save you an extra step sometimes in having to order those in a refinement. So those would be my uh, top tips on that particular case. So here's another phase one. Again, little girl comes in about eight, nine years old, severe crowding on the upper. Her general dentist had put that lingual arch in, and we ended up removing it, and we did some expansion, some partial braces in both arches. And here she is at the end uh, about a year later, and we're just kind of in a holding pattern waiting for teeth to show up. And then a little bit further along now, she's 12, and the cuspids kind of came in high. It looks like we have some room possibly to, to line those up, but she's got a midline discrepancy, class two situation. Definitely not interested in braces, totally on board for Invisalign. So let's look at her initial ClinCheck. And in this case, I'm going to share with you um, uh, an issue that comes up quite a bit, and people ask me about this all the time. What do you do about second molars that aren't in all the way? How do you, how do you handle that? on these teen cases, especially when you need to get some distalization. So let's look at the occlusal view here. And you can see your second molars aren't in. And honestly, back when I did this case and, and started to treatment plan this case, I really was a little shy about trying to rotate and distalize or do anything with those sevens uh, in place. So you'll see uh, that I, here I'll show you the clincheck, you'll see that I did mostly just premolar distalization, and I hoped to get that cusp, those cuspids to drop into place. And if we look at the buckle view, she's still class two. I didn't, I was waiting for some more eruption of those second molars before I, I really went for the full um, correction there. She was wearing some class two elastics at the same time. Okay, so that's the ClinCheck. Um, you'll see in her, in let's go look at her um, her refinement. Now look, by the way, 30 aligners, okay. And let me show you. Um, here she is at the end of that 30 aligner stage. Okay, pretty much looks like the ClinCheck. You can see we still have the class two midline is still off. Teeth drop down fairly well. Definitely still need to do a refinement. And they knew that. We let the parents know. In fact, we tell all of the patients, um, especially the teen patients and the parents, that they, there will be generally at least one refinement. There possibly could be two, and in rare cases, three. There may be some auxiliaries that we need. There'll be some elastics. There may be some partial brackets that we have to place at some point. There may be some extra buttons. And we just let them know that, and they're, they're totally fine with that. We tell them up front so they're not surprised when this all happens. But Sometimes, I'm sure this might have happened to some of you listening to this, where you set up a refinement for the patient and you end up with more aligners than you did in the first go-round. And that's what happened here. And, you know, unfortunately, the, um, the patient and the parent were, like, questioning, well, why does she have 48 aligners when she only had 30? You know, what did you do wrong, doctor, right? And certainly, 
one of the things that we, we told the parent was that she was going to switch them out every week. So in essence, it was really only 24 aligners because <laughs> she was on a two-week cycle before. And I think that made them feel a lot better. If you want to kind of avoid the situation, you know, you could prep the patient that there might be some more aligners. You could also let the technician know how many aligners you really want. And I know this is kind of a weird thing to think of, but I actually tell my technician how many aligners I want when I set my case up. I look at my case and say, okay, I think this is going to take me about 12 months to get where I want to be. And then I'll have a refinement. So I'll ask for 24 liners or maybe 25 or 26 and same in the refinement. And it's very simple because you, you have patients in your chair all day long that have fixed appliances on and they're saying to you, doc, how many more months before I'm done, right? And you look at them and you say, oh, maybe three or four months. Well, the Invisalign patient is kind of the same thing. So I kind of gauge that now as far as my refinement send that off to your technician, tell them how many aligners you want. They may come back and say, hey, doc, you can't do it in that number of aligners. You need some more. And But I, what I always find, even if I need some more, it's still not going to be an excessive amount, and it'll be an amount that'll be less than what they started with. So let's look at Julia here. She didn't have a whole lot to do on the bottom, okay? It looks pretty good down below. So I opted in this case for some passive aligners at the end of her treatment. Sometimes today I might just continue to make them all active. It, it, I wasn't that concerned about the lower. The problem was really on the upper. And let's look at the upper now. Second molars came in um, a little bit better. And this time around I got a little bit more aggressive about asking for some distalization and some rotation of those teeth, especially on that left side. And you can see what's happening there. She's backing it up with some elastics, some class two elastics. And if we look at the final result here, I want to point out one thing, because it was another mistake I made. If we look at the upper right lateral here, okay, I put in a nice big attachment on that lateral, but I failed to recognize how I probably needed to get something on that right lateral as well. And that's going to be a problem in a second. I'll show you where that didn't track very well. And now, today, I would have definitely placed an attachment on there, maybe not necessarily for necessary extrusion, but just to grab that tooth a little bit better. So let's look at where she ended up at the end of the second stage. And here we are. Um, like I said, I tell, tell the parents, tell the patient, we may need some auxiliaries. So we added some buttons, and we're doing some box elastics. On that, on that right side. And on the left side, she's still kind of a little class two, so we're still managing to um, pull on that, that left side a class two so we can get that midline centered better. And that's pretty typical of how we set up our cases as far as patients who need some auxiliaries. And let me show you the end result. So here she is, day she got all her attachments removed, buttons off, and final photos. And what's always amazing, I think, with a, a teen Invisalign is that is literally the day she got everything removed. And we all have patients in brackets and wires still, and they never look that good as far as their hygiene goes the day they have their braces removed. I mean, I know we're normally sending them straight to their dentist's office for a, a very good cleaning, and typically we don't even often take a final set of photos until they come back for their first retainer check. So despite um, 75 aligners, she only had 14 office appointments and treatment was 24 months. And 
I want to show the panel here because I think it's quite remarkable. The amount of um, tipping um, initially, the distal root tip on those on those canines, and you can see on the final panel, um, they ended up in a really uh, very nice position, and the second molars fell into pay, uh, were aligned quite nice as well. And she still has the the third molars in there, which she is planning to get those out, I believe, this summer. And here she is. Uh, beginning of phase one, and finally completed all of her treatment. So, in summary, plan on refinement from the start. Second molars are not fully erupted. That's fine. Just let the parent know we're gonna we're gonna go back in. We're gonna grab those teeth. Parents ask us about it all the time, and we assure them that it's all included. We don't charge extra for refinement, and it's gonna get handled. Um, we you know we we will handle that when they come in. Rotate molars distally. I asked for anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees. Most of us have gotten so used to putting our brackets on and having that molar rotation already built in that we forget that in our clinchecks we need to ask for rotation. And it's amazing how much space you can gain by getting proper ro uh, molar rotation. So you can gain probably somewhere around two millimeters of mesial space, and then you add another two or three millimeters of distillation, you get some significant um, distillation um, for your class two patients by rotating those molars and distillizing as well. Here we go about more aligners and refinement. You could just ask for less or just have the patient change in more often. And I am not afraid of round trip. I used to be. I used to be so adamant that I didn't want to do anything um, to those front teeth. I didn't want to move them forward. I wanted to wait till I had created space in the posterior before I started to move those front teeth around. And now I, I actually treat the cases more like I do with my fixed. And I, a lot of times those patients are kind of getting a little antsy because there's a lot of stuff happening in the back, but they're not seeing their front teeth line up. So nowadays I will actually have the front teeth start moving Yes, it might be a little round tripping that goes on, but it makes the patient much happier to have some alignment of their front teeth, maybe some spaces closed, rather than waiting until all the distillation is done in the posterior. So here is um, one of our first Invisalign cases that was not uh, a phase one in our practice. He came in from an ad. Um, Mom found us through an ad that we had uh, placed in a local uh, publication, and she had had three other boys who had full braces. I did not treat her other sons. She said she came in, she was very excited, she saw the ad for Invisalign, knew about it, wanted it for her son because she said she was tired of spending her entire life in the orthodontic office. Her boys are very active, they play multiple sports, and had multiple breakages of their braces during treatment. So. He got started in our practice with Invisalign, and a couple of things here I want to I want you to center on um, poor hygiene. Okay, we get a lot of teenage, especially boys, that come in looking like that. I'm never that excited about putting uh, fixed appliances on them, and in this case, um, I felt a little bit better about putting Invisalign on because at least I think we have an opportunity to encourage better home care. I want you to look at the lower crowding and the fact that his arches are, are kind of narrow, especially on the lower, everything's tipped in. And that's gonna be a kind of a bit of a factor in how his bite opened up for us. So let's go and look at the ClinCheck here. And a couple of things on this that I would do differently now, and I think I've already mentioned it before, you're gonna see that they set this case up for me initially um, with only 15 aligners. And there'd be no way in my uh, fixed you know, if he was fixed appliances, that 
he would be um, done <laughs> in like, you know, five months or so. So it was just one of those things where I was allowing um, the technician or the software, I should say, to dictate um, how many liners I was getting. Today, I probably would have set him up with probably initial uh, maybe 24 or 25 aligners, and probably that's all he would have needed. But anyway, let's look at how it, it worked out. You can see um, basically what I did in this case, and I, I, did, I got some really nice expansion on the lower, and I think that had a big effect on the bite opening more than anything else. And a lot of us with um, fixed appliances, we forget that we put those brackets on and those teeth tip outward, you know, from our wires that are slightly expanded or maybe a little bit wider than the than the current uh, arch form, you're going to get some bite opening automatically. So if we look at the side view here on him, um, you can see um, there was a little bit of overjet. Um, I pretty much solve the overjet by just doing a little bit of proclination of the lower incisors, and that's kind of how I line his teeth up. He did not wear any auxiliary elastics. There were no class twos on him at all. So let's look at what he looked like after 15 aligners. And quite honestly, it, you know, it was one of my first deep bite teen cases. I was actually fairly excited about the way it looked after that first set of 15. Now, midline's still off. Uh, I'm not really thrilled about the occlusion, uh, especially on his uh, right side, and there's a couple, there's like one or two teeth on the lower that could be uh, aligned better, some marginal ridge issues. So we went back in and um, did an, a refinement, and the refinement stage ended up being only uh, 13 aligners to get to the results that I wanted to get to. And I think today, and I'll, I'll share that in my, my tips section with you, how I would set this case up a little bit different as far as the bite opening and maybe getting some of those marginal ridges lined up um, a little bit better more quickly. So here he is. We just did, it, it's hard to really see exactly what went on here. It was very minor treatment on the bottom. Uh, just you could see the anterior teeth just needed a little bit more alignment. And then on the upper, Again, it was just a little bit uh, more expansion, a tiny little bit of rotation on a few teeth, and the goal was just to make sure that the midline was centered and everything was uh, socked in in the buckle segments. And if we go and look at his final result, here he is. He had a total of 28 aligners, about 10 visits, and he, his mom opted to uh, get Vivera. Our patients... Um, are provided with a uh, set of retainers that we actually make in-house. Um, they are offered by Vera as another uh, option, and they actually uh, pay extra for that. We do offer some incentives and promotions um, for the patient to get Vivera um, on different times of the year. But this particular mom got Vivera right away, and we, you know, that's a, a really great investment in her son's smile. And so my tips here, be very specific about the expansion you want. I find that when you um, tell your technician exactly what you want, how much expansion do you want on the upper buckle segments or the lower buckle segments? What teeth specifically do you want to move buckly and how much? When you, when you spend the time up front to do that and think it out, you're going to get back a clincheck that's going to be a lot closer to where you want it to be. And you'll be a lot less frustrated on having multiple revisions. And I would say, in general, if I had to add a tip here, you would find that I would say if I 
will invest my time up front in the very beginning when I submit my case. I'll spend probably a good 10 minutes submitting a case and really going through in detail exactly what teeth I want to move, how much I want to move them, specifics about attachments that I want to be placed and where and when, even IPR to some degree. Now, some of the things you, you, you won't know until they send it back to you for a preliminary view, but there are times when you're looking at a case and you, you already know what it's going to look like at the end, and you can give your technician all that information up front, and you're going to find that the more you spend the time up front, the less revisions you'll have, and you'll start getting back clin checks that might require one or two um, revisions on the second go-around, and you're done. And that's where you'll find your time um, when you start doing a lot of these, you're, you're going to want to be able to get these clin checks back as quickly as possible and looking really good right away so that there's less revisions and less time on your end in front of the computer. So those are my tips. We talked about the proclination um, to gain some space, and we do that a lot with our fixed appliances. And I do think that, in general, bite opening um, is a little bit more predictable with our team patients. So I don't really use any bite ramps or bite turbos on my teens because I do find that I can get their bites to open pretty pretty nicely. And I'm going to show you another case where uh, we did that. So this young man came in, and now we're we're I'm getting more brave. <laughs> and actually, I'm not sure if this was I was getting more brave or if this was just a, a parent, um, a patient. Okay, I treated his mom, and she had Invisalign and, and absolutely loved it and wanted her son to have Invisalign. So she brings him in and. Definitely a more challenging case for me. A mixed dentition. He's got. He still has uh, primary teeth in the upper arch. Some significant overjet, significant overbite. Uh, second molars aren't in all the way yet. So I said, sure, let's. Um, sure, we can do Invisalign. And you know, I kind of gave her the same. Uh, told her the same things I tell every patient or every parent. You know, there's going to be multiple revisions. We'll probably have at least one, maybe two. We'll probably have to wear some elastics. There'll be some buttons placed. There'll be some auxiliaries. And so here he is. This is what I got back. And again, I have no idea about this um, this IPR, to be honest with you. I never did it. I'm not sure how I missed it, why I didn't you know, just get rid of it right from the start. And you'll see that the technician does something really weird with that tooth that um, I wouldn't have uh, wanted. But Irregardless, I think I was paying more attention to other issues that were going on when I was looking at this. So again, I didn't put the attachments on right away. I put them on at stage um, later stages, and you'll see that they went on at around aligner number three. And in general, I in this case, one of the things I did, and here I'll show you from this viewpoint, second molars weren't in, and I was really shy about doing any distalization or any sort of rotation. Mostly because second molars weren't in, and he still had those primary E's as well, because I didn't think I could get much distalization of primary teeth. So you're going to see mostly just some alignment that I did, and probably just some round tripping and some weird thing going on there on the left-hand side with that cuspid that I never did that IPR. And we relied quite a bit on just pure class two um, elastics to kind of do some uh, bite correction. So you'll see. Here's the uh, lower cuspid on the lower left. I would have placed that attachment sooner than I did. And we'll look at the results and see how everything turned out. Um, he did not, he still is going to end up with some overjet. We did the, the bite jump in this case, which I don't really do that much anymore on my class twos. I actually 
um, ask for specific molar distalization to get the actual correction on my class two cases. But in this case, we did the bite jump. And let me show you how he ended up after this first uh, stage of 36 aligners. So um, bite's still kind of deep. I wasn't real aggressive about extruding those premolars. You can see there's definite need to do that. That cuspid on the lower left actually rotated fairly well, considering the attachment didn't go on until the, the tail end of his treatment. Um, the primary teeth fell out. We have a, a bit of a, a buccal crossbite on that right side. And we still need some significant class two correction. So let's look at the refinement stage on this young man. And one of the things that also helps me in this case is that, um, and it helps us with all our cases, these teenagers grow. And he happened to grow really well for me during this time period. So we got some significant um, uh, vertical growth. And we also got some uh, growth in the, in the mandible as well. So here he is, 17 aligners. And again, um, basically, did, I did a little bit of intrusion in the lower and in the upper. Uh, I have, as you can see, uh, some attachments placed in the, in the premolar area. To be honest with you, today I would definitely do things differently. I would have had a, a horizontal uh, bevel attachment here. I probably would have asked for more extrusion on both the fours and the fives, and probably a little bit more of intrusion from three to three. And in general, the only other comment that I'd have about uh, my setup was that I feel that maybe these teeth are a little bit too lingually inclined, and I probably would have asked for a little bit, maybe like you know, a couple degrees of, of lingual uh, root torque. But let's look at how, it, at how it ended up, and you can see that he did grow, which was phenomenal. I think he grew about six inches the whole time he was in treatment with me. And I nice bite opening, um, got the, the class two socked in. Not crazy about this angulation of this cuspid here. And again, if we had the G4 attachments back then that we do now, chances are I could get that root tipped distally. But let me show you the pano on him. And here is his starting pano up there with uh, the primary teeth in place. And you can see second molars aren't fully erupted. And here he is at the end. And that cuspid on the left side doesn't look that bad as it does uh, clinically. It looks fairly upright. And you can see the third molars are out and the second molars are, are nicely aligned. And here he is uh, before and after. Very happy patient and a very happy mom. So, in summary, you can begin treatment with primary teeth in place. I love it. Uh, we start a lot of patients now in the mixed dentition, especially with C's in place, because a lot of those cases we need to make space for the erupting. Uh, we, we basically need to make space for the erupting cuspids, and the aligners do a great job of um, gaining that space for us. Obviously, tip two, plan on refinement to align the second molars. And again, I already went through my tip number three. This is how I would manage uh, curve of now versus what I did then. And always on our side are the fact that these teams are growing, and that does help us. It helps us with our fixed appliances, and it certainly helps us with our Invisalign patients. So now I'm getting even more brave, aren't I? And again, it's one of these situations where I had treated this young man's mother, and she was kind of a class one crowded case. And she brings her son in to see me and says, you know, my son was told, you know, he needs braces, maybe even possibly jaw surgery. He doesn't want braces. He doesn't want jaw surgery. 
He wants Invisalign. He wants what I had. What can you do for him? So here I am uh, faced with a situation that's, I would say, definitely a little bit out of my comfort zone to start. Um, I hadn't treated a lot of open bite class threes up until this point with Invisalign. But let's look how this panned out. And again, despite some initial uh, setup mistakes that I, I think I, I feel like I made and I do things differently now, um, it, the case ends up turning out quite well. But let me show you what I did in the beginning here. So here he is. And again, look at <laughs> 18 aligners. I'm, I'm not that opposed to the 18 aligners, but what I would never do now is have the upper three aligners be passive because there's a lot of work to be done up top. Okay? So, and a couple other things that went on here that I just don't, I'm not sure what I was paying attention to this particular case, but let's go a little bit slower. And you'll see that um, here at number three, a bunch of attachments get placed. Okay, that makes sense to put them on those laterals. And then later on, around aligner 13, and I'm not sure why aligner 13, but aligner 13, we get two more attachments, right? And he only has 18 aligners. So technically, in about five aligners, um, he's supposed to have all that extrusion occur, and it, it's just not going to happen, okay? But one thing that did happen, we had him on some class 3 elastics, and I'll show that to you from the side view, and it, his his overjet did definitely increase, and you can see the bite jump at the end, and a lot of, uh, all of my class 3 cases, I usually set them up with this kind of bite jump at the end. So let's see how he turned out after we did all that. So here he is in refinement. And you can see those laterals did, did not extrude. And by now you probably know the reasons for that. One, probably not enough room was made for them. They needed to be um, brought more forward. We needed more space. You can see it on the occlusal view. And number two, I just feel like we should have placed them right from day one and not waited till liner number three. So we go back in and we do some refinement on him. And, and take new, um, at this stage, we're using a PVS on, on patients, and he was totally done with PVS, supply, uh, PVS impressions. And we go in and we set him up again for about 15 aligners. And this time, you can see the attachments are placed immediately. And I want you to look from the occlusal view. I wanted to make sure I gained the proper space, so I'm moving those teeth out, which he, he needed the extra overjet. And he ended up looking like that at the end of my clincheck. And let's look at his final result. And here he is at the end. And so treatment time was about 15 months. He had about 30 aligners. Um, the only reason he had 12 office appointments is because in the beginning he had all those crazy appointments where we had to place attachments at different times. Otherwise, I think we would have had less appointments. He ended up, I submitted this case for the shootout last year, and he was a semifinalist. So he got to the semifinalist position in the shootout. So my tips here are place all attachments at a liner one, okay? Again, you know, there's no reason to, to segment them like that unless for some reason, you know, the teeth are blocked out and you can't really place them at that moment or you're trying to gain some more space. Make sure to start extrusion early, round trip if you need to, Make sure the technician, you ask that those movements occur without collision. And I, this patient, the mom referred him to me. Um, I ended up treating the dad. So I treated his father after he was done. And we ended up getting another three referrals from, of other teenagers that he was friends with. So it ended up being, um, uh, it was just a great, 
getting his case and finishing it well and his excitement about it and his parents' excitement really helped uh, the practice because we ended up with four additional referrals. So this is my last case I'm going to show you, and this is where I'm really stretching the envelope here in general. Whether you, you would do this case with fixed or with Invisalign, it's definitely a case that most of us sitting here looking at are thinking, well, this is a jaw surgery case, right? And this young lady comes in, almost 16 years old, uh, personal family friends, okay? So her mom and dad are, are good friends of my husband and myself, and she's an adopted young lady. Um, they were living in Hong Kong for a long time. She had some phase one treatment there. Mom wasn't 100% clear about exactly what went on there, but I understood she was in treatment for kind of a long time. So the girl comes in, and she's not excited about braces. They don't want jaw surgery. And mom and dad know that we do a lot of Invisalign, and, and they want Invisalign uh, for their daughter. And you can see here, I want, I want to show you something to pay attention on. Look at her. Um, if you look at the, the photos, which are, which are accurate, that's, that's her bite. She has a little bit of a, a midline deviation, and she also a um, little open, right, definitely class 3. I'm going to show you in the ClinCheck something that came up and another tip for you. Um, we have some new staff that are being trained on the, the scanner. We actually now, this young lady was scanned. She was uh, the iTero scanner. And you'll see in the ClinCheck, if you look at it, the bite is off, okay, because her midline was not centered like that um, in the photos. And she appears to be much more open than she did in the photos, okay. So, and I, again, it's one of those situations where you, you get these things. We thought about bringing her back and having uh, the bite rescanned, but because of the situation with this kid, she's, she's a sweetheart of a young lady, but just uh, very um, difficult to work with. And the schedule of mom and dad, because they don't live real close by to us, we just, I just left it this way, knowing that we were probably going to do a refinement and that the midline was off, and I was going to be putting her on class threes anyway, and that there might be a point where you know she's only wearing class threes on one side. But let's look at this case, and there's something very significant besides the discrepancy between the ClinCheck bite and the actual bite on the photos. If you look closely, let's look at um, let's look at this lower. Okay, and I totally missed this. There's a, an attachment here for this rotated tooth, right? And, and watch this, and it's on there, it's on there, it's on there, and then all of a sudden it just disappears. And I totally did not catch that. And I, sometimes there's so many moving parts, it's, it's hard to catch it. That'll come back, you'll see, in refinement to haunt us a little bit, okay? I'll show you uh, what happened. And I'm not sure, like I said, why that was taken off, but you can see right here where we need it to either continue the rotation and extrusion of that tooth and the attachment needed to stay on there. But not bad considering um, we had, um, you know, used some class 3 elastics. She, we got some overjet resolution. The midline's still slightly off. I'm not thrilled about, you know, the way the teeth are fitting in the back. And we decided to go in and do some refinement, even though she didn't want, she didn't want to do it. Of course, mom wanted us to do it. But she let us scan her again, and we went ahead and produced another, I think it was 16 aligners on the refinement stage, which when she saw that she had 16 aligners, you know, she thought the world was going to end, I think, and was upset about it. But anyway, we did a little ITR down below. You can see here that at this point I put a 
uh, an attachment, my favorite horizontal beveled attachment on there, so I get some rotation and extrusion of that tooth, so at the end, everything would be locked in nice and tight. And you can see that we got some nice overjet here. Again, wearing some elastics all through this, some class three elastics throughout the treatment. And I'll show you what her end result is. And here we are. So that's the final clincheck. I only could get her to wear up to 12. I mean, get, even getting to her to 12 aligners was a challenge. Um, she just was, at this point, you know, she's driving, she's coming by herself, Mom's not coming with her anymore. <laughs> and some of you can relate to this, where the, the teenager is now totally in control and mom and dad aren't in the picture anymore. You know, fortunately, like I said, we're good friends with the family. So, you know, mom, I would email mom and let her know what was going on and that I really needed her to continue to wear them. But there was a point where even mom gave up because I guess she was really complaining that she was just totally done. So maybe this would have been nice to have gotten this area um, dialed in a little bit better, but all in all, considering where we started, um, happy with the result. And I did do some steps on her, so you could just see, I think what's significant here is just the, the inner incisal angle, um, it actually got much better. It went from 118 to 130. So she, the, the bimaxillary protrusion uh, decreased, and I, I feel like she has a much better profile now. If you go back, you can see, I think it looks much more balanced. And if we actually look at some of the numbers, the width was start off at a negative eight and ended up at a negative five. And there was really no um, real change in the uh, GO, GN, SN number. It increased just maybe about a point, about a degree. So all in all, uh, pretty happy with the result considering the compromise situation we were working with. And I think the pano, the reason I show you the pano is that if you look at her second molars on the lower, look like they were, they weren't fully erupted when she came in at, at age 16 and kind of stuck behind the first molars. And you can see here at the end, they let, lined up beautifully and ended up in a, in a really nice position. And here she is before and after. So in summary, again, I think I've gone over all of these points with you. The one thing I, I really want to zero in here is make sure attachments are added <laughs> or removed when you want them. And I, I'm very specific now with my technician that I will tell her, you know, if I want attachments removed, I will tell her when, but do not remove them unless I, I designate that I want them off. And again, the ClinCheck bite coincides with the clinical bite. Um, didn't usually we didn't find too many issues sometimes when we had patients with PVS impressions, but I, I'm finding with my scan sometimes, depending on the, my uh, my assistant who's doing it, we, we're watching more closely to make sure that the bite on the scan is coinciding with the bite in the photos. And that's important. Otherwise, you're going to set your ClinCheck up uh, improperly. So for the last five minutes, I'm just going to share with you some tips that we found to help us make it work financially. And some of these have to do with just being efficient because the biggest time, uh, the biggest cost really, obviously there's a lab bill and I'm going to talk about that, but it's really the chair time. And you can really maximize um, the ability to have more patients come into your office and be seen 
because you won't have to have as many appointments. So we schedule uh, compliant patients every 10 to 12 weeks, whether they're teens or adults. And if they're non-compliant, they have more frequent appoint appointments. We may have them come in every two weeks to pick up aligners if it's that bad, or every four weeks. And believe me, a couple of times doing that, they start to uh, come around to our way of doing things and start to say, okay, well, I'll just wear these because I'm tired of coming in here every two weeks to pick up a set of aligners. Um, nowadays, we do precision cuts for elastics, um, no buttons, especially on my teen patients. We had some issues where we were telling the parents, oh, the kids can eat whatever they want. They can have Starburst and Skittles and caramel apples, and they were knocking off their buttons for the rubber bands. So now we add precision cuts on the molars and the cuspids, and you'll just have to add a few more attachments in order to make sure that those aligners stay in place. So if you're having uh, at least two to three attachments on each side, you're probably going to be fine at doing it that way. And the other thing that we always do is all our IPR is done at one time. I don't have the IPR done, you know, one time here, another time there. And there were times where that was set up that way in the beginning until I realized, well, I just want to do it in one visit. And ideally, I want to do, do it when there's space between the teeth so it's super easy for me and the patient. Other ways that you can um, look at this is the Advantage program. And if you're, depending on where you are in your um, level, you start to get some rebates. At the elite level, it gets more exciting because you're, you're saving about $300 a case. So you can look at your lab bill and realize that technically it's about a $300 rebate per case. And when you're starting to do more than 100 cases every six months or 200 cases a year, you're looking at about $500 savings per case. And that starts to make a lot more sense when you factor in some of the efficiencies about less appointment times, less chair time, the ability to um, basically, you know, treat a case in possibly, you know, four to eight visits versus fixed cases, which could be double or even triple that amount of time. So the question is, can Invisalign Teen be a practice builder? There are over 21 million teens in the U.S., ages 15 to 19, and that's recent data that I, I got from the most recent census. That's a lot of teenagers. Align has done the research. They have found that teens prefer Invisalign, 7 to 1 over braces, and I would add to this in my uh, personal experience, in my practice, if I have a patient that is about age 12 or under and they didn't have a phase one, they're very excited about braces. And that's usually because they've been longing for braces for as long as they can possibly imagine and all their friends have braces. If they are 13 and above, certainly by 14, it's pretty much Invisalign teen is what they really want. So it is definitely a big market. There's a lot of young people that would prefer the Invisalign. And even the AAO in their study discovered that um, from 2010 to 2012, the percentage of consumers who said they considered a specialist for the teenage children's orthodontic treatment increased from 52% to 66% for teens looking to have clear aligners. So the question is, will you be the office that is going to offer Invisalign Teen to these teenagers who are seeking it. And one of my favorite authors, I think I've read every single one of his books, Malcolm Gladwell, 
The tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. And I remember back in 2008 when we started to dive into teen Invisalign. And and even even with the adults, for that matter, they'd come in and, and a lot of them really didn't know much about it. I mean, it wasn't like some people had, you know, oh, I, there's those clear plastic things. But today, everyone comes in knowing about it. And they come in having researched it. They know all the details. They've gone into multiple websites. You know, sometimes they have a little bit too much information that's not always accurate that we have to help them sort through. But it's definitely a household name now, and that is just within the last five years. So we we talked about um, the who. You know, who are you going to offer Invisalign as an appliance option? And I gave you some examples of some of my cases and how we start off with the phase, the phase two cases, which is really often a great way to get your feet wet because those cases typically are going to be um, just a lot easier than some of the more advanced cases that I showed you at the end of my presentation. I gave you some ideas about how you can get more teens into your office and, and helping the parents say yes to treatment, to Invisalign treatment. I've shown you some of my ClinChecks and, and things that I felt could have been improved upon. But either way, I think you've gotten some great tips on how you can deliver exceptional results for your cases because at the end of the day, that's what we all want to do. I've been in practice long enough that I'm not going to be offering an appliance that I don't feel that I, A, that I wouldn't place on my own children, and I have, and B, one that I don't feel that I can give exceptional results as good as fixed appliances. And so it comes down to, you know, what is your why? I shared my why. And it had, it had to, to be honest with you, it was a bunch of things. The economy was one, competition was another, but there were other issues about, you know, just making it, uh, making it more comfortable, making it a better patient experience, and increasing our practice profitability. And so it comes down to, for you, to decide when are you going to start offering Invisalign Team. And I leave you with this quote, one of my favorite quotes from Michelangelo. The greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. So thank you for sharing your morning with me. I know I probably went over a little bit on time, but I, I feel like I had some really good information to share with you. And I encourage you to go to my practice website, lovemysmile.com, L-U-V, my smile, and you'll see what You'll see our website. It's it's full of information. There's just a lot of great content. So when patients go on there, they can get educated. They can learn a lot about us. And it's constantly updated. You'll see some of the things that we do. And if you have specific questions, you can reach me at Dr. Donna at drdonnagalante.com. I do have um, some free marketing resources at drdonnagalante.com that you can that you can download that'll some of the things I showed you and there's more so I encourage you to check that out if you're looking for some more uh, marketing tips and, and how to get some uh, new patients in the door and last but not least you need to obtain your CE certificate and this is how you will do it you'll go to that website and they will um, send you your CE certificate after you answer a few survey questions so thank you for being here today I really appreciate it very much I'm honored to share my knowledge and hopefully uh, one or two tips will help you um, increase your new patients, help you feel better about treating teens, 
and help you deliver the exceptional results that you're looking for. Thank you. I wanted to uh, thank Dr. Galante again for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us, and we look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.